This podcast is sponsored by Explore Worldwide. Explore offers guided travel holidays from city breaks to honeymoons. Explore's local tour guides and their small group adventures give travellers the opportunity to experience a country and not merely observe it. Whether it's a food and drink tour in the hilltop towns of Tuscany or a walking tour in the rice fields of Vietnam, Explore puts their trust in the quality of their local tour leaders so you get a better insight into your holiday destination. Head to exploreworldwide.com. Hello and welcome to today's independent travel podcast with me, Simon Calder. Still walking to Lourdes Airport. Yes, I am, but the very pretty way through the French Pyrenees. You can hear Agave, a mountain stream. You can, might be able to hear the cattle and the cowbells up above me. Today, I'm going to talk about five summits and a nearly, hoping that you might wish to follow in my footsteps up uh, five quite remarkable mountains. Now, I need to say I am not by any stretch of the imagination a mountaineer. I'm terrified of heights, just walking across a very scary bridge, no handholds there. Uh, I'm most definitely not athlete fit and my kit, well, I've got a pair of 25-year-old boots on um, and a charity shop shirt and some shorts and that's it, apart from a hat and some sunglasses. So um, I'm not an extraordinarily uh, active mountaineer by any stretch of the imagination. But let me just take you through these opportunities. And the first one is actually really accessible if you're on a package holiday to Tenerife. And frankly, who wouldn't want to be? Uh, Tede, the highest peak in Spain, used to be actually in the early days of European exploration, uh, regarded as the highest mountain in the world. This uh, extinct volcano sprouting from the island off the coast of Africa. Anyway, you need a permit to climb it. That's very easy to get. You then need to get yourself to the foot of the mountain, which is most people just turn up in a rental car. Now there is a cable car which runs up there and a awful lot of people, 99% of them, will take the cable car to the upper station and walk, I think, a couple of hundred feet to the top. So it's very uh, um, doable like that, but well worth walking up there. It's a winding old track. And if you want to save your knees, of course, you can simply take the cable car back down. Across on the African continent, North Africa, I'm going to talk about Tubkal. This is the highest mountain in North Africa, about 14,000 feet. And you it's only an hour or so south of Marrakesh. So you have a wonderful time in the most exotic place you can get to within three hours flying time of uh, the UK. And then if you go and stay at the Kasbah du Tubkal, a wonderful old uh, fortress that's been converted into a brilliant place to stay, they will fit you up with the uh, guide that you need and the gear that you need to climb Tubkal. It's 
one of those things where you go on a long old walk for the first day, stay in a refuge with dozens of other people and then get up very early and climb to the top. You could well, depending on the season, need crampons to get you through the snow to the top, but not on the particularly scary list and a great achievement. And of course, you are in a wonderful part of the world. Next up, I'm going to take you to Asia. The most straightforward one is Fuji, the sacred mountain for Japan, another extinct volcano. And the great thing about it is that you can drive up, or in my case, I hitchhiked up to the kind of halfway point, and that 5,000 feet, and then it's 10,000 feet to the top. And then you literally just walk up and there's huts every so often where you can get coffee and noodles and things that you need. It's one of those times where everybody begins in the early hours of the morning so that you get there. Bonjour. Importantly, uh, you scramble up the scree, it's a bit of a slog, but you can do it. And again, you get there at sunrise. Now, when I got there, I got there at fog rise. It wasn't a fantastic view, but a good experience nonetheless. Also in Asia, and really good fun, if particularly you're either traveling around um, Southeast Asia or going to Australia, stop off in the Malaysian state of Sabah. Okay, here's what happens in Sabah. You've got a city called Kota Kinabalu. You've also got a mountain called Mount Kinabalu. And while it is an extraordinarily difficult challenge, if you choose the wrong, or if you're a mountaineer, the right face, it's also something that, even though it's the highest mountain in Southeast Asia, is relatively accessible. Again, a long old climb, a refuge involved, have to get a permit, have to get a guide. Um, and there's one really scary bit for those of us who are frightened of heights. But because you've got kind of kids and grannies and people all running around, <laughs> um, you kind of think, okay, well, I've got to do this because um, I'm, I'm a grown up and I can do this. So uh, you have to edge yourself out, hanging onto a rope along a ledge with, well, a thousand foot drop, I would Im imagine, um, across to, uh, uh, a, a relatively safe place. That's the only scary bit I remember. And as I crossed it on the way up, I remember thinking, oh, I'm going to have to do the same thing on the way down. I'm not desperately pleased about that. To make matters worse, I had um, uh, planned to get some walking boots in um, Kinabalu. I couldn't because, well, they just didn't have my size. So I ended up doing the hike in sandals, not to be recommended. For the fifth summit, my goodness me, I had proper footwear. I had to rent um, some, some plastic boots. Um, that's because I was attempting Aconcagua, which is one of the seventh summits. And it's actually the highest mountain in the world outside the Himalayas. And so therefore, if you're there in mid-winter Himalaya or Northern Hemisphere time, in mid-summer in... Um, the Andes and it, it's the, the you, you, if you climb it you can be the highest person in the world because there's nobody climbing uh, peaks of I'm gonna say 23,000 feet I can't remember exactly anyway that's a proper expedition you need to get a permit you need to spend money on accommodation at base camp you either need to have a very very good 
friend who's a guide, and that actually happened in my case, my pal Graham Hoyland, who's climbed, I think, five of the seven summits now. Um, and you then uh, have to um, be tested all the way along. They're very um, good at this. They want to know if you've got altitude sickness, and they will um, check you time and again. And they won't let you proceed up the mountain if they have any doubts about it. Now, that was the mountain which made me realise that the real enemy, apart from a terrifying fear of heights, and there really isn't any way of falling off Aconcagua if you go the obvious way, um, it's just time. And there were many people who didn't climb it. I think only about 40% of the people who attempted to climb it. But they were all young and fit and they could have done it. They just ran out of time. And their expedition leader said, sorry, you, you, know, you paid for three weeks. Um, we're up to 20 days. Um, we've got to descend now, and um, and that's your lot. And by being flexible, I managed to uh, sit out some bad weather and get to the top. And I would urge you to consider that. Um, and I was, um, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't a spring chicken when I did that. 58, I think. Um, and as I say, not in especially good shape, but um, that's worth doing. And my final, not quite mountain summit is Mount Kenya. Now, lots of people, not me, have done Kilimanjaro. I talked to people and they said, actually, Mount Kenya is a much more interesting uh, trek. You go through all kinds of astonishing um, vegetation and it's a really interesting walk. And uh, so I signed up for a trip to the top of uh, Mount Kenya, except they don't take you to the top because the top is accessible only to great mountaineers with fantastic ropes and skills and so on. They take you to the Trekkers Summit, which means it isn't really a summit at all, but um, it's a place where you can stand on top of things. Again, that was where really at the top my fear of heights completely kicked in because it suddenly became very icy and difficult and uh, yeah, you're at the top, you've got to come down and that's the way to do it. So I do hope you might consider some of those. Um, I like travel with a, an aim, which is why my current walk to Lourdes Airport is particularly appealing because it is most certainly the most beautiful journey to an airport I have ever had. Anyway, a bit more than usual today during which I've perhaps walked Maybe um, a kilometre, descended uh, a couple of hundred metres, who knows. Um, I will get there eventually and I look forward to speaking to you tomorrow. Goodbye. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com.